Please open your Bibles to John chapter 8. Last time we were together, we finished up the first 32 verses of chapter 8. And today, Lord willing, we will finish up with the rest of chapter 8. But uh, just as a refresher, and in order to stay within the context here of chapter 8, what I'd like for us to do is go back and read... um, from the beginning of uh, John chapter 8. Actually, we'll just go ahead and start in verse 2. It says, Now early in the morning he came again into the temple, and all the people came to him, and he sat down and taught them. Then the scribes and the Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned, but what do you say? This they said, testing him, that they might have something of which to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger, as though he did not hear. So when they continued asking him, he raised himself up and said to them, He who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. And again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. Then those who heard it being convicted by their conscience went out one by one, beginning with the oldest, even to the last. And Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus had raised up himself and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, Woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. The Pharisees therefore said to him, You bear witness of yourself. Your witness is not true. Jesus answered and said to them, Even if I bear witness of myself, my witness is true, for I know where I came from and where I am going. But you do not know where I come from and where I am going. You judge according to the flesh. I judge no one. And yet, if I do judge, my judgment is true, for I am not alone, but I am with the Father who sent me. It is also written in your law that the testimony of two men is true. I am one who bears witness of myself, and the Father who sent me bears witness of me. Then they said to him, Where is your father? Jesus answered, You know neither me nor my father. If you had known me, you would have known my father also. These words Jesus spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple, and no one laid hands on him, for his hour had not yet come. Then Jesus said to them again, I am going away, and you will seek me and will die in your sin. Where I go, you cannot come. So the Jews said, Will he kill himself? Because he says, Where I go, you cannot come. And he said to them, You are from beneath, I am from above. You are of this world, I am not of this world. Therefore I said to you that you will die in your sins. For if you do not believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. Then they said to him, Who are you? And Jesus said to them, Just what I have been saying to you from the beginning. I have many things to say and to judge concerning you, but he who sent me is true, and I speak to the world those things which I heard from him. They did not understand that he spoke to them of the Father. Then Jesus said to them, When you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he, and that I do nothing of myself. 
But as my Father taught me, I speak these things, and he who sent me is with me. The Father has not left me alone, for I always do those things that please him. As he spoke these words, many believed in him. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Okay, and going right on into our study for today, verse 33 says, They answered him, We are Abraham's descendants and have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you will be made free? Now, as I read that verse, it brings to mind a scripture, and you don't need to turn there, but it's in Luke chapter 6, verse 45, where Jesus said, A good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, brings forth good fruit. And an evil man, out of the evil treasure of his heart, brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. And you see, these men that were confronting Jesus here, they were confronting him time and time again. But now they're showing forth the absolute arrogance of their hearts here. Because they're saying, we are Abraham's descendants and have never been in bondage to anyone. Have they forgotten that as Abraham's descendants, they once were in bondage as slaves to Pharaoh for 400 years? Or what about the 305 years of bondage to seven different nations that you can read about in the book of Judges? And as Jesus spoke to them here, they were not free. They were in submission to Rome, actually. So how can they be so arrogant as to say they have never been in bondage to anyone? But... Here again, I really believe that we have these scriptures so that we can learn how not to be. Because if we are not careful, we too can become pious in our Christianity and forget where we have come from. We once were, and if we're not careful, we can still fall back into bondage to sin. And Jesus goes on to say to them that they too are in bondage to sin. Look at verse 34. Jesus answered them, Most assuredly I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. And a slave does not abide in a house forever, but a son abides forever. Therefore, if the son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. So here, in this uh, little analogy that Jesus gives them here, he is saying that a slave is not a true member of the family. A son, however, is a true member of the family. A slave can be sold, but is never actually free until he or she has been bought by someone that sets him or her free. So Jesus as the Son of God, has the power to set one free from the bondage of sin. But these men's hearts were too hard to receive the freedom he was offering to them. And Jesus knew their hearts here. And he says to them in verse 37, I know that you are Abraham's descendants, but you seek to kill me because my word has no place in you. So Jesus knows who they are. And what they're all about, the problem is, is they don't know who he is. And you know, that same problem still exists today in the hearts of people. They don't know in a personal and an intimate way the Messiah. They know of Jesus, 
just as these Jews here knew, <clears throat> excuse me, knew of Jesus and that he came out of Galilee, but they didn't know the real story because their eyes weren't open to the word of God. Verse 38, I speak what I have seen with my father and you do what you have seen with your father. So, back in verse 28, Jesus said, As my Father taught me, I speak these things. And here, in verse 38, Jesus said, I speak what I have seen with my Father. So they just couldn't figure out how Jesus knew all that he knew when he was never trained up in their seminaries. And here in this chapter, we see revealed that he was taught by his Father by actually seeing what his Father did. So this speaks very clearly to the fact of where Jesus came from. He came down from heaven. But this was difficult for these people to grasp. You see, he was born here on this earth from a woman, so how could he claim to be God? But here again, this comes down to knowing and believing in the Scriptures. You see, they had, back then, they had the prophetic word. And we have in our possession today the fulfilled prophecies and the prophecies uh, that are yet to be fulfilled in the New Testament. We have the fulfilled prophecies of the Old Testament and the ones yet to be fulfilled in the New Testament. And many that have been fulfilled that we see written in the New Testament. But, you know, just a little quick side note here, um, just for, for a practical, from a practical standpoint, Jesus was taught by his father by seeing what his father did. And I just want to speak to you fathers out there just real quickly here, that that's what your children should be able to do. They should be able to see what you do and learn from by seeing what you do. You must be an example of how you hope for them to be. Or you must be an example of what you hope for them to become. Okay, Just a little side note there. I, it came to mind as we read through that scripture there. But verse 39 says, They answered and said to him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, If you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth which I heard from God. Abraham did not do this. You do the deeds of your father. Then they said to him, We were not born of fornication. We have one father, God. Well, well, here, we, here again we see the viciousness of their hearts being revealed by the words that were coming out of their mouth. Looking back, if you look back at verse 19, they said to Jesus, Where is your father? And we discussed last time how this they said as an insult to Jesus because of the nature of his birth. He was born of a woman that became pregnant prior to marriage. And since sex outside of marriage is called fornication, they are here in verse 41 saying that he was born of fornication. And they're throwing that in his face. But, you know, once again, this proclaims their ignorance in regards to the coming of the Messiah because they had the prophetic word that told of how the Messiah would be born. 
Turn in your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 7. Isaiah is in your Old Testament. It's right between the Song of Solomon and Jeremiah. Okay, Isaiah chapter 7. So if you find Song of Solomon, turn to the right. If you find Jeremiah, turn to the left. And find chapter 7. And we're going to look down at verse 14. So Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. It says, Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. Now, as you may or may not know, Emmanuel means God with us. So as Jesus spoke with these Pharisees and scribes there in John chapter 8, he was God standing there with them, but they were too ignorant of the scriptures to see that they were being fulfilled right in front of their eyes. And, you know, unless you and I study and rightly divide the scriptures, we too can miss that which is right in front of our faces. And we can very easily get off track and miss what God has for us to know. And that is how many religions have been created. And looking back now at John chapter 8, how is it that Jesus in verse 37 said that he knew they were Abraham's descendants, but then he kind of insinuates in verse 39 that they were not Abraham's children. Well, the term Abraham's descendants refers to their physical ancestry, their, their relatives, if you will, as the children of Israel. But being Abraham's children is an entirely different thing. Let's turn to Romans chapter 4. Okay, so it's to the right of where we are here in uh, John chapter 8. Right after the book of Acts, you will find the book of Romans. And go ahead and turn to chapter 4. And we're going to read quite a bit of this. We're going to read through the first 19 verses. But pay attention to what is being said here. Keeping in mind that we're talking about the difference between Abraham's descendants and Abraham's children. Okay, so Romans chapter 4, verse 1. What then? Shall we say that Abraham our father has found according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Now to him who works, the wages are not counted as grace, but as debt. But to him who does not work, but believes on him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is accounted for righteousness. Do you see what's being said there before we kind of go on? It's not about works. It's about faith. That's how you're justified. You're justified by your faith, and it is your faith that is accounted for righteousness. 
Okay? It's not by works because like it says there in verse 4, if you're working for your salvation, it's, it's, it's not counted as grace, but it's counted as debt. You're, you're acting like you deserve something or somebody owes you something. Look at verse 6. Just as David also describes the blessedness of the man to whom God imputes righteousness apart from works, Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord shall not impute sin. Does this blessedness then come upon the circumcised only or upon the uncircumcised also? For we say that faith was accounted to Abraham for righteousness. How then was it accounted? While he was circumcised or uncircumcised, not while circumcised, but while uncircumcised. And he received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness of the faith which he had while still uncircumcised, that he might be the father of all those who believe, though they are uncircumcised, that righteousness must be imputed to them also. You see, the promise came to Abraham. I'm going to stop right there. We'll go back to verse 12 here in just a minute. But the promise came to Abraham not by works, not by the deeds of the law, but it came to Abraham by faith. That's how righteousness came. Okay? The same is true for us today. It's not by works that we are saved. Okay, verse 12. And the father of circumcision to those who are not only are of the circumcision, but also Walk in the steps of the faith which our father Abraham had while still uncircumcised. For the promise that he would be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law. Okay, So the promise wasn't through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For if those who are of the law are heirs, faith is made void and the promise made of no effect. Do you see that? You see, if it's by works of righteousness, then faith is made void, and the whole promise that was made to Abraham is made of no effect. Because, verse 15 says, because the law brings about wrath. For where there is no law, there is no transgression. Therefore, it is of faith that it might be according to grace, so that the promise might be sure to all the seed not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. In the presence of him whom he believed God, who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did, who, contrary to hope, in hope believed, so that he became the father of many nations, according to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be. So you see, contrary to hope. In other words, Abraham was old. His wife was old. How were they going to have this child that was a child of promise? But contrary to the hope that they didn't have, he still had hope and he believed. And he became the father of many nations. You see, he is the father of, of faith. 
if you will, of everyone who comes to Jesus Christ by faith. But you see, the clear distinction between Abraham's children and Abraham's descendants is found in the fact that a person comes to salvation by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. That is what would classify you or I as Abraham's child. It's a personal thing, you see. And for us today, it's not because a man or a woman was born into a Christian home that they are saved. It's not because you were raised up in the church that you are saved. It's because we willfully come to Jesus on our own that we are saved. We have our own faith in Jesus Christ. It's not by joining a church, by being a member of of this or that church. It's not by being raised up by Christian parents. Many, even if your even if your dad is a pastor or something, it really doesn't matter. You have to come to that place yourself of knowing Jesus, of placing your faith in Him. Okay. So that's the difference between just being a descendant of Abraham and being a child of Abraham as Jesus was talking to these uh, Pharisees and scribes back in John chapter 8. Go ahead and turn there. It seemed to be a contradiction, and, and some people have pointed that out as a contradiction. But you know, just by doing a little deeper study, you see that that's not true. You see, when you study the Word of God in its entirety, you can find out what Jesus really meant there by using those two different phrases, just as we briefly did right there. And you know, this is how you should always study the Word of God. By taking the full context of your Bible, from Genesis to Revelation, and allow Scripture to interpret Scripture. Okay? Be careful when you get caught up in something, maybe a, a religion or something like that, or a denomination, or even a church that claims to be a non-denomination, but it puts its little doctrine in a little box and says, you know, here it is, we can hand it out to you. Uh, be careful of that. Study the scripture for yourself, because your faith in Jesus Christ is a personal faith. You are, if you've been born again, you've received Christ into your heart, your eyes are, have been opened to the Word of God or are becoming more and more open to the truth of the Word of God, then you know you have a relationship with Jesus and you don't need man to interpret Scripture for you. You don't need me to do it. And I've said it time and time again on uh, you know in these teachings that you really need to study the Word of God for yourself. You need to take everything that we study, go back, sit down, and study it for yourself, and see what the Lord says to you. You won't offend me one tiny bit by doing that. I want to encourage you to hear from the Lord for yourself. Have a faith that is your own, okay? So now, in verse 42 of John chapter 8, Jesus continues speaking to them, and he says, If God were your father, you would love me, for I proceeded forth and came from God. Nor have I come of myself, but he sent me. Now, I really like that verse there, because if you really think about what Jesus says here in that verse, you come to realize 
that no one can say that they know and love God without first knowing and loving Jesus. If these Pharisees and scribes really knew God, then they would really know his word. And if they really knew his word, then they would know that this is the Messiah standing right in front of them. And they would be loving and worshiping him instead of, you know, just antagonizing him, going after him, if you will, here. Uh, Look at verse 43. Why do you not understand my speech, Jesus says? Because you are not able to listen to my word. You see, they couldn't grasp what Jesus was saying, all because they didn't know the word of God. That's what Jesus just said right there in verse 43. And you know, today, Many of us wonder why we don't hear from God and understand His will for our lives when all too often it is because we do not listen to His Word. That is why I am committed to teach nothing but His Word. My words will do absolutely nothing for you, but His Word will never fail. And now Jesus here is going to reveal who He Um, was talking about back in verse uh, 41 when he said to them that they did the deeds of their father. Look at verse 44. You are of your father, the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. But because I tell you, or excuse me, but because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. So, a couple of times in chapter 7 and chapter 8 of the Gospel of John, we see that they question Jesus in regards to um, his parental heritage, if you will, who his parents were. We saw where they said um, that they knew his mother and his father, and his brothers, and his sisters, and they questioned him about his father, thinking that they knew he was born of fornication. And here, Jesus points out who it is that is their spiritual father. And their spiritual father does not stand in the truth, because there is no truth in him. And because of this, when Jesus speaks the truth to them, they do not believe in him. You see, lying is inherent to the devil's character, and he can do nothing but lie. And today, he still performs the same work of lying and blinding the eyes of people as to who Jesus really is. Why don't people today receive the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. What is it that keeps so many people from turning to Jesus? Well, one of the things we can find in Scripture. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. It's a few books to the right of where we are now in John. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And we're going to look at verses 3 and 4. Here, here's a reason for you right here. Verse 3. But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, 
whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. So, you see, the the little g, God of this age, is putting lies in the minds of people to keep them from coming to the knowledge of Jesus Christ as their God and Savior. You know, those lies, I mean, they can run the gamut. I mean, he can be telling them, well, if there's a God, then why this? If there's a God, then why that? If there's a God, then why are those Christians so hypocritical? And I don't want to be like them. All these different lies that run around in the minds of people to keep them from coming to a, the personal knowledge of Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Because it's not about people coming to church. It's not about people uh, coming and joining a, a religion or, you know, becoming a member of a church. It's about coming to Jesus. And that's all Satan cares about. They, the churches can fill up with people for all Satan cares. As long as they're not hearing the gospel, as long as they're not hearing the truth, he could care less. But his job is to blind people's eyes from the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But you know, he's also the one that will try and capture the attention of the believer as well. And to get your mind off of the things of God and onto the things of the world. It might be just a slight distraction that gets you focused on the things of the world. Maybe it's money. Maybe it's your job. Maybe it's your, you know, whatever it may be. Might be a lot of different things that are taking your focus off of your relationship with Jesus Christ being primary. You know, but the cure is knowing our God and Savior Jesus Christ by knowing the truth of His Word. We've got to be in His Word. We've got to know His Word. Otherwise, we're not going to know Him. Flipping back again to John chapter 8. Jesus continues speaking to these Pharisees and these scribes here. And in verse 46 of John chapter 8, he says to them, Which of you convicts me of sin? And if I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? So there in that verse, Jesus points out that he has done absolutely nothing that they could say was sin. All he is there doing is simply telling them the truth. But you know, that same thing happens to many believers today that step out and go and share the gospel with others. People will turn it back around in their faith and say, oh, in their face, excuse me, by saying, oh, well, I, I, you know, I've seen you do this before. Well, I'm sure you've done that before. Whatever it is, people just don't want to hear the gospel. What is it? What is it? It's the father of lies that's doing it. We must realize that that spiritual battle exists. Satan does not want people coming to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Why not? Because if they don't, guess what? They belong to him. They're his, right? Verse 47, he who is of God hears God's words. Therefore, you do not hear because you are not of God. Then the Jews answered and said to him, Do we not say rightly that you are a Samaritan and have a demon? That's a very powerful verse 
right there, verse 47. That, that was something very strong that Jesus just spoke to them there. He said, he who is of God hears God's words. Therefore, you do not hear because you are not of God. That's pretty powerful. And then they say, ah, you're a Samaritan. They just, they didn't know what to say. Where'd they get that from? You know, he just makes a point that's so right on. They don't know what to say, so they just call him a name. You're a Samaritan. Oh, yeah? Well, you know, you're just a Samaritan. <laughs> you know, where'd this come from? But you know, all kidding aside there, it's a powerful verse, man. Verse 47. Because if we claim to be of God, then we need to be hearing his word. We need to be hearing from God, you know, which again, that's the reason I teach the word of God so that we can hear his word and grow in his word. But it needs to be something where you too are knowing the word of God for yourself and studying it. Verse 49 says, Jesus answered, I do not have a demon, but I honor my father and you dishonor me. I do not seek my own glory. There is one who seeks and judges. Most assuredly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he shall never see death. Wow. Now, verse 51 there is another wonderful, powerful verse. Eternal life is promised to those that do what? Keep his word. See that? Most assuredly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he shall never see death. A person that never sees death has what? Everlasting life. Eternal life right? You will pass directly. Yes, we know that we die in this body, but spiritually we go living right on. This body will die, but we're going to, when, when you've come to be born again, you've come to place your faith in Jesus Christ and you're keeping his word, you're never going to see death. Verse 52, then the Jews said to him, now we know that you have a demon. Abraham is dead and the prophets and you say, if anyone keeps my word, he shall never taste death. So here again, Jesus speaks something spiritual to them, and they respond with something carnal. He spoke to them of life after this world, but they refuse to hear anything he says, and they tell him that he has a demon. They continue on. Look at verse 53. Are you greater than our father Abraham, who is dead? And the prophets are dead. Whom do you make yourself to be? Now, it's like they're saying to Jesus, who do you think you are? But you know, how many times now has Jesus told them exactly who he is? But yet they still keep asking that same old question. Whom do you make yourself out to be? He's already told them time and time again. Verse 54, Jesus answered, If I honor myself, my honor is nothing. It is my Father who honors me, of whom you say that he is your God. Yet you have not known him, but I know him. And if I say I do not know him, I shall be a liar like you. But I do know him and keep his word. Your father Abraham, now here again, Jesus is speaking to the fact that they are descendants of Abraham, not children by faith, right? He says, your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. Then the Jews said to him, you are not yet 50 years old, and have you seen Abraham? 
Jesus said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Now, we talked a little bit about this last time, how Jesus is the great I am. And we went back and looked at some scriptures in the book of Exodus regarding the title, I am. But here in verse 58, when Jesus says, I am, the Greek words used for that are ego emi, which they're the same uh, words which are used in the Greek translation of the Old Testament scripture when it describes the voice that came from the burning bush. So that same voice that came from the burning bush is exactly who Jesus saying is saying that he is. He's clearly speaking to them in regards to his divinity. He is God in the flesh, Emmanuel. And they knew exactly what he was saying. And that is why in verse 59 it says, Then they took up stones to throw at him. But Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple, going through the midst of them, and so passed by. So you see here, the murder that was within their hearts was about to come out. But Jesus hid himself from them, and he was out of there. And next time, we'll, we'll get together and we'll find out where it is that Jesus went as we go into chapter 9 of the Gospel of John. Um, but here in this chapter, uh, you know, we really see that Jesus was in perfect unity with God the Father because he was God in the flesh. They thought he was just a man born of fornication. But he told them who he truly is and who his father truly is. They thought that their ancestry or their religion made them righteous. But it's not what you know that makes you righteous in the sight of God. It's who you know. People must make a decision as to who their spiritual father really is. Is he the father God of the Bible, the God of all creation, the God that became flesh and dwelt among us? Or is he the father of lies and the God of this age? And today, the God of this age, Satan, the devil, has blinded many people's eyes from seeing the truth about Jesus Christ, seeing the truth about who he really is. So don't buy into religion. Don't buy into uh, joining a certain group and following a certain doctrine. Read the word of God for yourself. Know who he is personally. Commit your life to him wholeheartedly. Surrender to him. Open up your Bibles on a daily basis and read them for yourselves. Grow in the grace and in the knowledge of him. Yes, go out and find a Bible teaching church. But when you do, make sure that that's exactly what it is, a Bible teaching church, not just a country club. Not just some beautiful property with, with uh, you know, beautiful landscape and all that, but it's dead spiritually. You need to go someplace where you can grow. But it just should be the icing on top of the cake when you do go. Because your growth should come from you reading the Bible for yourself and knowing Jesus. Let's pray. Father God in heaven, we thank you for your word.
We thank you, Lord, that you have not left us comfortless and alone, that you have sent the Comforter, the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, who brings us into remembrance of all that you said, all that you did. The Holy Spirit that spoke through men and and wrote the Scriptures. And here we are today, Lord, able to study the Scriptures and know you and your Holy Spirit does the work within us to convict us and to convince us and to show us who you really are, Jesus. Lord, we love you. And we thank you again for this time together. In Jesus' name. God bless, guys. Thanks for listening.